And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast on a Friday morning, 13 days from the NBA trade deadline. It's Rivalry Week. Had no idea Rivalry Week was a thing. Ramona Shelburne, how are you? Uh, you know, I learned about Rivalry Week a couple years ago when they were hyping the NBA schedule, and I was excited about it. I think this is a new development. Can we have load management abatement week? Oh, instead? I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think there's also some classic rivalries that make sense, like Lakers Celtics. That's a good one. But then, who do you match up Atlanta with? Who Atlanta, do you match up? Atlanta, Denver New York. With? Atlanta, New York. Yeah. De- Denver, Denver. We can think of some good ones for it. Denver Clippers has become a rivalry. Except you know what has yeah. to happen for that to be a rivalry. In the playoffs. The Clippers have to win a game from Denver Ooh. at some point for that to Ooh, be a rivalry. Yeah. Um, Ramona Shelburne, we're going to hit a lot of topics today. You had a sit down with Pat Riley. And let me tell people before we get to that sit downs with Pat Riley don't happen. Sit downs with <laughs> Pat Riley are really, really hard to get. I had to get one for a Bam at a bio profile a few years ago. And that was a lot to get that. Yeah. He doesn't like to do media. So we're going to get to that. Uh, first, let's react to all-star starter announcements, and we were both voters. So let's start East, uh, Western Conference. The announced okay. starters, vote the winners, the all-star starters, guard Steph Curry, guard Luka Doncic, front court LeBron James, Zion Williamson, Nikola Jokic. Ramona Shelburne, what was your ballot? I do not think I had Zion on my ballot, and that was not a knock on him. It was just... Yeah, everything's a knock. Games. Everything's a knock. Everything's hate. I know, it's all there I, is is hate. It's all hate. He just was. He's hurt. So I, 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 I did factor that in when I was voting, um, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly where I had everybody. I think I had Jaw on my ballot over Steph or Luca over Zion. You got to have two right? guards. You got to have two guards. Yeah. So I think I had Steph and Jaw. Isn't that right? So no Luca. I had I had Luca in the front court. Can't have Luca in the front court. Luca's a guard. Then, then I definitely had all those guys. Let me find my ballot. You go with your ballot. I'll do my ballot then, Ramona. Okay. All right. I had Luca Doncic at guard, Shea Gildress Alexander at the other guard over Steph. That's a good, I explained yeah. this. I explained this in my column. Yep. We all know Steph's better. Steph's, yep. Steph's a top ten to fifteen player of all time. We all know he's yep. better now. Yeah, four hundred something minutes. Shea's averaging thirty a game. I'm rewarding him, and LeBron, Jokic, and I had Sabonis as my last front court uh, player. Oh over, yeah, over over Zion, over Markinen. Zion, look, he got in. Oh, you of- know what? I had Markinen on my ballot. That's right. I remember in that moment I went Sabonis or Markinen, Markinen or Sabonis, and I just went with the home the home crowd pleaser. I just it was that's not a right reason to vote, but I did. Like he's I remember, gonna, he's going like, to make it anyway. So he's going to make it anyway. But I thought like he's had a great year for them. The games in Salt Lake City, and I felt like Sabonis was going to make it anyway. Marketing would make it anyway, and yeah, I did go marketing. That was the last one. Do you have your Eastern Conference ballot prepared? I remember. Yes, I remember that one off the off my head. I did both Cleveland guards, and I did MB. I left Durant off because I thought he was injured as well. So I did Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum. Both Cleveland guards? You had Garland starting? Yeah. I think I did both Cleveland guards. Wow. Yeah. What'd wow. you do? That's bold. What'd you do? 
I mean, Darius Garland's had a really good season, but uh, yeah. I had um, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown by a hair over Tyrese Halliburton, who should be yeah. a lock. Let me let me yes. say it clearly: Halliburton Tyrese Halliburton be. has to be there. Uh, and I had uh, Giannis coming off the bench. Uh, I Did had you? Tatum, Tatum, Durant, Embiid. Embiid, I, Embiid There's got really, robbed. Embiid yeah. it got robbed. I, someone has to lose out of those four guys, which is stupid. It's stupid yeah. that we can't have all yeah. four of them starting. Yeah. Um, the numbers say mostly that it should be Giannis. Durant being injured gives gives voters a window to just be like, yeah. is he even going to – but he's verbalized that he wants yeah. to play. And he's played more minutes than Giannis. I think he's been better than Giannis this season. Um, and so if I have to pick, I'm picking – I'm picking Giannis off the bench. It hurts. It hurts me. But it, Embiid, it does. Embiid I mean, got robbed. Embiid is like, remember when Durant was like, I'm always number two. I'm sick of being number two. Yeah. I was the number two pick. Yeah. It's, this, it's becoming Embiid now. It is. And like, there was a time when um, in the Western Conference, it was like this with guards too. Remember, it was, you, you could never choose between Steph, Harden, Chris Paul, um, and Dame, and they, you had to choose two guards out of the four every year, and they really had – you could split hairs, right? Like like I always think the all-star vote, I don't think it's it, – it's, it's split so many different ways, right? Like I, I, like the fans have a, have a vote in there. We have a vote. But it's not like All-NBA where I feel like it, it's as serious as All-NBA where there's – legitimately millions of dollars tied to it and we really have to take all that seriously and so i think like with Embiid, that's why i think this game on saturday is going to be fun like we're going to talk we're going to talk about it okay, i can't well, wait we're, we're skipping Embiid, ahead Embiid Jokic is on saturday yeah. let me just be clear i love darius garland i have yeah. sung his praises on this podcast many many times i have said that i feel almost more comfortable with the ball in his yeah. hands late in games than i do with it in donovan mitchell's hands i just don't I can't vote for him over over those guards, but that's just me. I know. I think I, I wanted to vote for Halliburton, and I just I well, felt like Garland. Too. Yeah, he's injured too, and and like there's a there's a um that 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 is weird. I I tend to dock points for somebody who I think may not play, right? If they're in the if they're hurt, it's like okay, well then maybe I won't vote for them, and I'll vote for the person who I think is going to play. No, so at the, the time, I think Durant wasn't going to play. One of the cool things about how this voting works now is the NBA will break it down for you and say, yeah. here's where, here's where everyone finished with media, with yeah. fans and with yeah, players. Like and I love to look at the player votes because yeah. there's always one or two or three where it's yep. like, Ooh, the players think really differently about this guy yep. than we do. Or, or um, just, I'm surprised that we're in agreement with them on this guy, like because maybe yep. our tastes kind of diverge. So there are a couple I wanted to highlight. Um, Jokic. Jokic finished first among players in the front court balloting over LeBron. And I think, wow. what's, I think what's happened with Jokic is interesting. Uh-huh. And, that, and that Draymond Green telegraphed it after the Warriors beat the Nuggets 4-1. In the playoffs last year, and all the Philly fans were like, well, this is why Embiid yep. should have won. And Draymond was like, dude, that guy is a monster. We have more respect for him after this series wow. than we even did before. Something to that nature. I'm paraphrasing yep. Draymond. And I think the same thing has happened with the whole uh, fretting over 
Yeah. Is it okay to give Jokic three straight MVPs? That's just faded. Like everyone has just kind of recognized like this dude is yeah. amazing. For him to beat out LeBron among the players was interesting. I have another one that surprised me. Okay. In the, it's in the Eastern Conference. A pl- the player vote in the Eastern Conference. Can you guess what it is? The player vote in the Eastern Conference. One of the Let's player see. votes that is it going to be somebody who's high or low? Low. All right. Well, there's Paolo Bancaro coming no. in at eight. That's no. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, oh, Kyrie at number one. Well, I, okay, I meant Among low, guards? like lo, I meant like low, like low, double digits, low, like bad low, not hot, not like low. high low. Kyrie being Trae number Young. one, Kyrie Trae being number one is 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 what it is. I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. Trey Young, Young at twelve, yeah. So Trey Young, it's like, yeah. The media talks about Trey Young a lot. There's always a lot of discussion about his style of play. Um, is he going to go down as a coach killer all yeah. of a sudden? Uh, why is there always drama in Atlanta? People are stepping mm-hmm. down, thinking about stepping down. Everyone's stepping in various directions. And Trey Young's the, the fulcrum of the whole franchise. So all of those things are somewhat connected to him mm-hmm. to, to at least some degree. But you figure... You know, he, he's an incredible player, right? The numbers are yep. what they are. The style, the passing, the the sort of long-range shooting, the St- Steph Light in terms of his range and all that. And the players voted him 12th among mm. guards. Below LaMelo Ball, Darius yep. Garland, Jalen Brunson, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton, James Harden, Jalen yeah. Brunson. 12th. That really stood out to me. It's like, huh. I, wow. I kind of thought he would get like a player bump, and it was the opposite. The media and the fans were way higher on Trey Young than the players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, don't you think? Yeah, that is because last year I remember when we were doing All NBA, we all like there was a little of this talk, a little bit, but we all still I, I still voted for Trey on an All NBA team last year because his stats really backed it up. And even though they they were in the play in, that's a disappointment off the year before. But I think if it's Year after year, there, there's now two or three years now where um, they've underachieved, right? Since they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals that one year, the the, the well, yeah, it, they uh, it feels like the same story and the same narrative. The bad the the bad stuff is coming out, right? Where when's the last time you heard the good stuff? It's a, when's that's a good it, way to put it, right? When it's just like the narratives of anything bad is coming out of Atlanta that you haven't heard of like a, a really good Trey young story or a, Oh my God. Wow. How great that last game was, or when's it, we haven't had those stories. Um, I think when the narrative goes in one direction on a guy, it's hard to turn it around, but for the, to- the players are clearly, Oh, I don't want to say ambivalent. Everyone realizes how great Trey yeah. young is. And who, yeah. I, I, I don't know how close the, how close he was to, fifth or something while finishing 12th among the players but that, yeah, that's that pretty one, low i even when i had kevin herter on this podcast a few weeks ago i asked him this was right after all the drama with trey yep. and nate mcmillan and his nate mcmillan reportedly thinking about resigning which nate mcmillan denied publicly yep. in an interview and i asked kevin herter and they had just played the kings the hawks had just played the Kings, so it was fresh in his mind and i asked him what was it like to did you like playing with Trey Young? Like, what was it like to play with Trey Young? And I expected him, as candid as he was for that whole interview, to just sort of give the, oh, Trey Young's a great player. 
and like mm-hmm. let can and like can we please talk about Sabonis or something? Uh, yeah. And he politely was kind of like, "It's a double-edged sword. Like you got me a lot of open looks, but of course everybody wants to touch the ball and do stuff mm. and be involved in the offense." And, yeah. And if that's the public answer to a question like that. Yeah, I, th- I think the private answer is probably a little not, different not than good. that. Um, that's all. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I I do think it was interesting. I thought the Zion vote was interesting as well, right? In terms of player votes for Zion, player vote was th- he finished higher among players, third. third among players, that's, fans that's, fourth, media fourth. I mean, I think that's impressive. Like, I because like I. I know when I watch him, I'm like, oh, wow, he's really good. But he has been, there hasn't been a lot of him, right? He's sort of in and out. He's been hurt a lot. He's still hurt right now. Is he going to be back for the All-Star game? The last update we got was he'll be back in two weeks. So that's really cutting it close. Um, But that's a real sign of respect from your peers. You know, usually I thought Zion would be very high in the fan vote. Um, And and the media would probably vote for him middle of the pack because he's been in and out. Uh, but, but he's, he's across the board. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10 minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Bigger picture Western Conference is a little teaser for later. Okay. The Pelicans are 3-11 and 11 in their last 14 games. For a while, the conference was like bifurcated between the top four and everybody yep. else. Now it's the top two. The Kings kind of in a tier by themselves at three. And New Orleans has very quietly, with nobody watching because Ingram and Zion have been hurt. Ingram just came back their last game. Yeah. Have fallen to 26 and 23. Mm. Three games over 500. They're tied yeah. with the Clippers for fourth, fifth. Like four is now in play for almost everybody in the Western Conference. And not only that, the Pelicans' own draft pick now has a little bit more potential trade value than it looked like it was going to have a month ago when they were like a yeah. no-brainer top four team. That's for later. Talk about Pat Riley and how you got to Pat Riley. LeBron James yeah. is LeBron James right now, as of this recording, is 157 points away Oof. from tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar 
for the most hallowed individual record in the NBA. Uh, we've all been doing LeBron stuff, LeBron thinking, LeBron watching, LeBron all of that. I did not expect a Pat Riley just bomb to drop in the middle of my life a couple of <laughs> days ago. Mostly focused on Kareem yeah. and what Kareem meant to him personally, what Kareem has meant to the game as both a player, yep. a champion, a statesman, all of that. How did you how did you arrive at this with Pat? And what did he say maybe that you didn't expect in that piece? And people should all go to ESPN and yeah, read it because you. like I said, Pat Riley is Pat Riley's seen everything. He's seen everything. He's been around everyone. He's done everything in every role in the NBA for a gazillion years. When he talks, it matters. He um, and I had been talking about doing something for a while. And I and I I kind of was in the place where as we approached the record, and uh, we talked about this at our summit at the beginning of the year, remember, Zach? Um, I do remember the summit. Yes. I, I, I felt like we really needed to write about Kareem a bit more. We really needed to focus on Kareem as we approach this record, because like, you know, the, the classic sports talk radio discussion is, Oh, who's the best player of all time. And it's okay. It's, is it, do you have LeBron? Do you have Michael, you know, th this generation will say, well, what about Kobe? And like the older generations, when you have that conversation, that Kobe's usually further back, like fifth or sixth or something. But I, I feel like we've almost forgotten to mention Kareem all the time. Like Kareem gets lost out of those greatest of all time discussions a lot. Um, and I think it's because of his personality. I think he, he played alongside magic. Who's megawatt smile, personality, charm, everything. Like you could just forget anyone else's in the room. Anytime magic's there. Well, remember um, their first, their first game together. Was it Kareem that hit a buzzer buzzer beater in their first game together? And Magic yeah. was like running around going crazy. Yeah. And Kareem and yeah. Kareem was like, "Yo, dude, it's a long, it's a long yeah. season, man. The joy yeah. and the smile are cool. Relax. Like, chill out." Um, and so I, I felt like this is a moment, and and it's a, it's a it's an interesting parallel and discussion with Kareem and LeBron because they do have a lot of parallels in their careers and in their way that you think about them, um, and. It, this is really a record of longevity. And so as a, as a kid growing up in LA, like I grew up on the Showtime Lakers. So I have my real time childhood memories of Kareem. Okay. So I was born in 79 and I started watching basketball, probably let's say around 84, 85, like right when, right when the Lakers Celtics thing is getting going. What a great time to come of age. Right? Nintendo <laughs> was about to come out. Atari <laughs> was sweeping the nation. <laughs> little a little actor called Harrison Ford was on top of the world. Yep. <laughs> so like the early 80s, that's like my era. That those are my formative sports watching years. And I remember Kareem and Magic and Worthy and Byron Scott and all these guys, but I don't think I realized how old Kareem was at the time. Like I don't think I had any idea that this was like I wasn't reading the newspaper at that point. I was 5. So looking back as I have gotten older and like looking back on that era, um, Pat, I mean, like the, what I wanted to talk to Pat Riley about was how good Kareem was back in 84, 85, when I'm like little Momo watching TV, he was like 38 already. <laughs> like he's 38 in 1985. 
and they want and there's every year there is this talk of is he going to retire like and how there's three more go? titles coming yes like that's amazing to, like when you think about how good he was at that age and how his best years right in there were like right now every night we are aghast and and marveling at how good lebron is at 38 on a, a, a fairly bad team right now like they're what 12th in the west you know they show glimpses and glimmers but kareem is is he was the finals mvp in 85 he led the he led the lakers in scoring i mean it was like 22 points a game it's not a big number but in in 10 out of 10 years there that he led the lakers in scoring and so i i, I felt like that was something that i in my looking back on it did not realize growing up and I kind of wanted to talk to Pat about it. Cause I think, I think I had some sense that he was into yoga. Like that was something that got covered in Kareem. Kareem. Yeah. But I didn't realize how well he took care of his body at a time that nobody had that consciousness of how you take care of your body. Like Pat, Pat, I liked what Pat talked about. Like, you know, he'd go into a game and um, he, Kareem would just be sitting at his locker reading before every game. It was just very calm he would often find him meditating. He's like the rest of the team would be doing stretching circles and they're, they're mostly just like goofing off for 15 minutes. And Kareem was like twisting himself into a pretzel. Like he was, he was really ahead of his time in terms of taking care of his body. And he played all the way to his 41 and he was still pretty, pretty good at the end there. Um, even the series against the Pistons. Like I love Riley just out of the blue with his, he had two of the biggest free throws in Laker history in that series against right, the Pistons. Right? By the way, do not ask, anybody from Detroit about those about? Free throws because they will all tell you. <laughs> and I think the video kind of agrees with the Pistons. That was a bogus foul that got Kareem to yeah. the line and swung the whole finals for the Lakers. But that's, Hey, 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 that's what, Hey, that's history now. <laughs> but the, the, the way I got Riley to talk to me, Dax, to go back to your original question was that I had this sense. One, I was curious. That's always the best thing as a writer is when you're curious about revisiting a time in history. And two, I had this sense because I had been hearing about this Showtime Lakers reunion that they all did in Hawaii for a couple of years. It was supposed to be done before the pandemic and then they had to cancel it because of COVID. And then they did they ended up doing it this September, but they they basically redid the Showtime Lake they did a Showtime Lakers reunion in Hawaii like a training camp. And you know, now we've all been watching Showtime, the, the show on HBO, but this was like the real Showtime Lakers having their reunion. And so I, I just had been wanting to ask Pat about all this for a while. And I know some of the impetus for that reunion was that these guys are getting older. Kareem was turning 75 this year. They all had a birthday party for him at a game at, at uh, Crypto.com this year where a bunch of the guys showed up. And I just felt like Pat would want to talk about Kareem. You know, and maybe I would, you know, maybe I could ask him about LeBron at the same time, but he felt like the right person to talk to because how many people are close to both Kareem and LeBron? There's, there's not many. I mean, I guess you could say magic also because he was an executive, but not many. And that's why it's a big deal when in this piece, Pat Riley tells you Kareem is always going to be the guy Yeah, because Pat Riley runs the Miami Heat. And signed LeBron as a free agent in the greatest free agent coup in league history, other than yeah. maybe the the Shaq Kobe double summer in LA that Jerry West pulled off, which was half free agency, half trade, obviously. Um, 
won two championships with LeBron, witnessed LeBron, no pun intended, um, transform and diversify as both a scorer and a playmaker and a defender into, I think, the greatest years of his career were in the the peak of his powers was, I think, in Miami, even more so when when he won a title in Cleveland. And and it it did not go unnoticed around the NBA, around Miami, around Los Angeles, around LeBron, that Pat Riley declared to you that Kareem is always going to be the guy. Now, I perceive that as Pat being very protective of Kareem and his legacy. And also wanting to point out, and there's a quote in there. This is such a great Riley quote. Do, do, do you like the part where he goes, to me, the biggest numbers were always 906 and 1128. Randy Smith's all-time record for consecutive games played and and then AC Green. AC Green never missed a game. The first game he misses when he retired. By and the way, was, let's let's just stop it. Just, like, just say that again. AC <laughs> Green never missed a game until he yeah, retired. The first game he missed was the game he retired. So it's the amazing. easiest stance to take in media right now is that load management is bad and teams are overdoing it and the league has a problem yeah. because it's a populist stance, right? Like yeah. it's it's for the fans. The fans are losing out. Richard Jefferson told an incredible story on NBA Today yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. About being a kid and going to a game by himself because his parents could not afford all the tickets for all the family. And he wanted yeah. to see David Robinson specifically was his favorite yeah. player play and how heartbroken he would have been had David Robinson sat out that game due yeah. to what was not then not known as yeah. load management, managing the loads. And it's it's an easy argument to make. It's low-hanging yeah. fruit and all that, but it's it's true and I and I think the only I mean Bill Simmons had a rant on it this week on his podcast yeah. too. Um cuz Jokic missed that game in Milwaukee. Now Jokic oh, plays yeah. all the time. I don't I don't really know what went into that. But it's true, and I think the only the only solution, the only realistic solution, is the season has to be shorter because yeah. this is not going away. The start, everyone is going to rest yeah. all the time. And Steve Kirk talked about seventy two games. I, I just think either the season has to be shorter, or the penalties and the the penalties have to be stiffer, and the rules have to be clear about what you can and cannot do. Um, I just don't think there's any other solution. This is just yeah. what it is. But I I felt like a lot of what. I mean, there was there was a bit more to that rant that I'm not recounting to you right now on the pod, but it's it's in uh, some of it's in the story and some of it's some of it. I I mean, it, you know, Pat Riley, when he talks, you don't interrupt him. Right. You let him go. Oh, my. No, you right? do not. And, and you don't and interrupt my, him. <laughs> my limited experience talking to him or yeah. listening to him is that you do not know what direction he is going to go. I right. mean, you could be talking about Kareem and then you could be talking about Schenectady where he's yeah. from oh, in, yeah, two, did, in we, two seconds. We got onto Schenectady. I got to say that right. You got to really pause and make sure you pronounce that right or you'll end up with something wrong. Um, but like Pat enjoyed telling me about, he played Kareem in high school. Like Pat Riley is two years older than Kareem. <laughs> okay. and by the way, that's another thing that's cool about Kareem. In an, yeah. era, in an era where now everybody everybody knows every good high school player that's yeah. 14 and up. They all have Instagram accounts. Right. They're all going to have NILs. Yep. They're all going to be famous immediately. Kareem was already famous as yep. Lou Cinder, Power Memorial High School star yep. in New York City. He's the greatest high school player ever. He's the greatest college yep. player ever, 
and he is for another few weeks the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. He was a celebrity yeah. in New York City in like the, the 50s or whenever he was in high school. Yeah. Um you know, that that's another just Kareem. Yeah, and, and so, so Pat played against him. So Pat's 2 years older, so even so he's playing against a much younger player, right? He's you know, in high school, but he he goes, "Isn't it amazing that this guy that I played in high school who I think Kareem was probably 6869 in high school, but he was still really big and powerful and, and a really good player, um goes on to become the greatest player of all time." And he he said it multiple times, right? Greatest player of all time. And he he means he goes, "Michael's up there too." I mean, he did he, there's a line where he allows that Michael's up there too. But for, for Riles, the amount of games and the longevity that Kareem had, being as good as he is, and, and remember, you know, Kareem played in college too. They didn't have the age limit rule. So that's why his age. And by the way, I meant year, 60s, not 50s. Uh, yeah. I'm aware of when Kareem was in high school. Okay. Um, he, uh, you know, he, like, it's amazing. Like, he could have had two more years in the NBA if they didn't have the age limit rule back then. Okay. He couldn't play as a freshman. Right. He just and, couldn't and play. Yeah, you're not allowed to. There's stories about how the freshman team with Lou Alcindor would beat the hell out of the yeah. actual UCLA team, and he couldn't play for the varsity yeah. team. So I, I feel like I was glad Pat spoke on behalf of Kareem. And I, I have a feeling um, you know, there won't be that many Kareem stories, the, as far, which is why I wanted to run it early and set the idea early of, Hey, this is Kareem's record. And I know that people know Kareem from that show that we've been watching. And he's the tall guy with the goggles and the sky hook. But he was he was a lot more than the tall guy with the sky hook. You know, like he was he was an incredible player for, you know, until age 41. And some of his best seasons were later in his career. And I, that was that was the other subject of our interview, which we he he, he talks really eloquently on, which is that when you play this late, it's not just that you can't think of something else to do with your life. Okay. There's Kareem had plenty to do with his life. LeBron has plenty to do with his life when he gets done playing basketball. He's a, he's already has a thriving business outside of it, but you have to want to still play. You have to have a reason to still play and to get up at five in the morning, like LeBron does and post those Instagram videos of him working out to do what Kareem did. He was always year to year. Like there was always this sense of, Oh, this could be the last year. This could, you know, but they were contenders every year and he wasn't going to walk away. Like, and, and Riley had this great quote saying, you know, Kareem was 32 when magic first got there. And I, I went back and I checked the stats and I was reading some stories from right before then Kareem had kind of fallen off right before. There's a great quote from Doug Moe in a sports illustrated story. I found he was, he was, yeah, six, seven years ago, he wasn't really all that good anymore. He looked like he was falling off. And then Magic came and he just got reinvigorated because, you know, they got they got Magic and McAdoo and Byron Scott and Cooper and Worthy. And they and he just felt like, wow, I have a chance to win every year. And, and I think that that's uh, part of Kareem's legacy as well, is that he not only kept playing that long, he wanted to play that long. He was still really freaking good for a long time. And in an era when nobody played that long, when he, when he was in his 17th year in 1985, that was the, the, the most seasons anyone had ever played up until that point. Now we have plenty of 20 year guys. So you anticipated where I'm going with this, but first I do. Should I get an Instagram? I do have an Instagram account. I never post there. I don't even know the password. Should I 
start posting videos of myself waking up at six in the morning and like watching Clippers Spurs from last night. Be like, yeah, hashtag like rise it. and grind. Just log yeah. on. Just me like logging on to a, uh, onto a computer. I love that. Do it. Yeah. Um, so inadvertently in that Pat Riley interview, I, I think one of the themes was um, one of the reasons Kareem played as long as he did was because there were stakes. He could win. Yes. He had a chance to win. And I read that and I thought, he's probably not doing it on purpose, but that's just sort of throwing more pressure at the desk of Rob Polinka, who made one trade last yep. week, trading three second rounders and Kendrick Nunn for Rui Hachimura trade. I already talked yep. about on this pod and like, um, still has two first round picks, still yep. has Russell Westbrook, still has other stuff to do. Um, where do you get a sense of what the, and, and as I said, I mean, number four in the West is now three games over 500. The Lakers right. are three games under 500, and yeah. there are nine, eight teams in between them. So there's a lot to do, but um, there's the ceiling on what they can do if they get hot is actually, you know, they could they could get pretty high. Yeah. Um, where do you think they are trade wise? Right. No one is more plugged into L.A. sports yeah. than you are. Where do you think the Lakers are? I think they are going to try to do something else of the same magnitude if we're, since we're going to use earthquake terms, we just had a, a little one out here. Um, little one, like barely, barely even qualifies as like a 4.3. You know? LA, one of the only cities in the world where a 4.3 magnitude earthquake is less of a big deal than a routine rainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Four point. It's got to be over four five. Four five is really the, if it gets close to five, that's when people. Like, but when oh, it rains, when it rains, oh and you try to make God, plans with people watch. in LA, they're like, "Are you? Is this? Are you joking?" Anyway, I'm not going out. So this. Lakers, Lakers, another move <laughs> of the same magnitude. Yeah, I think that's about right. I don't see anything big unless, and the way it's been phrased to me is, they're always they're they're going to listen, but they're not. But but. If it's something big, it's probably not something they're proposing. It's probably something somebody comes to them with to loop them in on something, right? Um, like the Hachimura trade, I, I think has been that's a pretty good that's a good trade for them, but it's not a, a large scale. Let's call it a four point two. Is that a four point two? Like like mm. maybe if you were tired, you could have slept through that, you know? Two point eight. Two point. It's over a three. That's over a three. He's when do you play... not? What, what's the scale at which you stop feeling the earthquake when you just don't even um, know that one happened? Oh, the three is most of the time you 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 just kind of go. You're not quite sure if that was an earthquake. You're like, was that an earthquake? I don't know. Maybe three point one. Yeah, yeah. It's like you felt it, but it, it's like that. Okay, so let's let's um, go over some stuff. Boyan Bogdanovich has been mentioned ad nauseum as we approach the trade deadline i am actually starting to believe the pistons rhetoric that they are unlikely to trade him unless they get an incredibly good first round pick and maybe a little bit more than that if you ask me right now is he getting traded you have to pick 12 days in advance 13 days in advance yes or no i'm actually going to say no and and that's different from what my answer was two weeks ago three weeks ago because i just thought they were kind of bluffing i don't think they're bluffing anymore uh yeah i don't either Yep. The Indiana thing, I think, is is despite the fact that they've slid down the standings, I think yeah. is gone. Yeah. Um. With no, with no, 
with no indication that this team is ready to do anything, the team that I'm still keeping an eye on is I am so sick of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Every time here they come, they're one game under 500. They go to Paris and they go to the Eiffel tower and they win (laughs) and everyone's happy. And then they beat the warriors and things are going great. They had a chance. They had a three game stretch right now. Uh, Charlotte, Indiana, somebody else bad. I think Orlando to go over 500, which would have been sadly enough, a landmark moment for this particular bulls team. Yeah. Um, a, a moment where they could have said, now we're going to be, now we're in the running for sixth. Now we're uh-huh. in the running to be a frisky low round playoff team that we were last year. Is that what we wanted to be when we went all in? No, but it's better than being tied with the freaking wizards for 10th yeah. in the East. What do they do? They blow a 20 point lead against the Pacers who have no Tyrese yep. Halliburton and they lose by 16 Last to night. the Hornets oh. who stink and oh, the Hornets had Lamelo Ball back and Gordon Hayward back. Big freaking deal. Are you a serious team? Are you a serious team? Beat yeah. the Pacers and beat the Hornets. Yeah. The Bulls are not a serious team. Yeah. This this team, it's been over for a year. The idea that this team has a path to ever contend for a title. Yeah. Over. That's been uh, f- forget a title, a second yeah. round playoff. For, that's over. Um. Now it's like they can't even get out of their own way. And every time they have a stretch like this, they're, they are, I'm not making that up. They are tied with the wizards. They're actually behind the wizards, I guess, because of head to head. They're 11th in the East right now. And I, I think, well, I, I would posit this to you. If the, the Lakers have had their eye on the bulls since September, yep. since September, the Lakers have been saying, we want to see what happens if that team craps the bed this season. What might shake loose? And you don't have to be a brain surgeon to think to, to understand that in September, that meant DeRozan, the free agent yeah. who wasn't, the free agent who almost was, and instead became Russ. Yeah. Um, the name that's become more interesting to me as this season has gone on and it's become clearer and clearer that the Bulls are not going to get it together is Ooh. Levine, yep. who is a clutch client who is on a gigantic contract. Yeah. Who I know there has been some thought about with people around the Lakers as a potential trade slash that's kind of our cap space acquisition. Obviously, they sacrificed a lot of cap space potentially in Hachimura, yeah. which I think I don't I read that also as a signal that um maybe the Kyrie thing is is over for them too. Did you read it that way? Like if they're going to use X amount yeah. of cap room on Hachimura, like, and then Chris Haynes reports that not reports gets yeah, Kyrie's agent yeah. to say, we would be interested in coming back to the nets. And I, I think the nets have started to have internal discussions about that themselves. Like, what does that look like? What kind of years, what kind of money? Um, anyway, what's the, is the Levine thing? I think they would the the Lakers would be among several teams that would be looking at Levine, right? Another team. I mean, I like if I'm Dallas, I'm picking up that phone too. If that's, if that's Levine is available, okay. Um, just like teams that really need another playmaker, another another guy who can score, another guy who's got some oomph to his game. Um, he's younger now. That it's just a lot of money. He's just got a lot of 
and it would re- it would be sort of reminiscent of the Blake Griffin trade from a few years ago where um, the first year that you sign this Supermax contract that's supposed to show how much your team loves you, you get traded at the deadline. Like that was that was a rough one um, for, for Blake, for the Clippers, for the Pistons, for everybody involved in that. It, it, it's it's in that category. Um, you have to, somebody has to really believe that you're an answer. You sh- you don't just take on a contract like that, you know, because for a one year deal. I mean, that's you're committing to two hundred plus million dollars, and that's your guy for 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 a long time. So, I generally think deals like that don't get done at the deadline. Somebody with that much money on their deal, it's it's a hard one to do in the middle of the year. I would agree. I don't. Now, Chicago keeps all their cards pretty close to the vest. Yep. My best read on them all season has been they do not even want to hear this discussion. They don't yeah. want to th- they don't want to contemplate that this team may be a failure. They yep. don't want to contemplate breaking it up in any in any real sense. But I said earlier this week, if the Lakers came to me as the Bulls and yep. said, You can have both picks. Yep. Unprotected and whatever minimal protections we put on the second one. And Russ. I, I have to think about that because it might, to use your Blake Griffin example, yeah. it might end up a get out of jail free card. Now, I don't think Zach Levine has hit that point in his career. I think he's actually looked a lot better, as I said earlier this week. Yeah. In the last six weeks, he looks more like Zach Levine. He's in a slump again now. I've never been a huge Levine guy because of defense and I, th- I think overall feel for the game. Just not my kind of player. Now the scoring and the shooting is undeniable. Um, and I could, as the bulls retool around DeRozan, it does as a downside, I think lock me into re-signing Vucevic, which I don't love because it gives him leverage yeah. over me. And I get some picks back in the kitty. I just, I'm not saying I would do it if I'm then because Russ by himself has to have a pick coming with him because he's, negative value contract yeah and so i'm really trading levine for like one pick that's that's probably not enough for me but i think it's interesting um but the more chicago just can't get it together the and here are their next here are their next games saturday at orlando tuesday home against the clippers then charlotte portland san antonio four of those games are winnable Four of those yep. games are against teams like the Bulls under 500. Even the Clippers is like, you can beat the Clippers at home. I know the Clippers are on a nice four-game winning streak. The yep. Spurs, Lakers, Spurs are three of the games, so I'm not reading too much into it. Um, another Bulls trade target is, uh, for a lot of teams, would love Alex Caruso. Um, a team that I've speculated about with Alex Caruso before, uh, and, and I, I don't necessarily see it as a fit, but uh, stylistically it's a fit. Is the Warriors? Um, yeah, you're also very plugged They've into. They've always the... loved Caruso, like ever since he was a rookie. Now my thing with them is I've got Curry, Clay, Poole, and Divincenzo, who's playing great. So I have four guards. Uh-huh. I, how can I fit another? Now Alex Caruso can gu- guards fours a lot. Like he can guard yeah. up a lot of positions, but yeah. I don't have a ton of space for him. And the price it's going to cost, I think, is Wiseman plus a pick at this point, and that's. Oof. That's that's not that's a, lot. a ton, but it's something. Uh, you are as well connected as anybody to the Warriors. Uh, the Bob Myers dirty laundry was aired yeah. this week. Um, they are another team that just can't seem to string momentum together, even within games. What's your read on on their aggression um, level here? 
I don't think it's very high. I think their aggression level has to be tempered by the money that any trade would bring in to next year, which is already a complicated year, right? I mean, obviously Bob's in the last year of his contract. Everybody on that team gets very expensive. By the way, um, imagine my surprise when suddenly on the Low Post podcast feed, yeah, my last name is Low. I am the host of uh-huh, the Low Post podcast. Uh-huh. There was suddenly a Bob Myers interviews Steph Curry uh, episode of the Low Post podcast on the feed. I don't remember doing that. What? How did yeah. that happen? But Bob yeah. Myers is already like preparing for post Warriors life on my podcast feed. Yeah. You know how many questions I got about that? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, I mean, look, it's. It is. Um, I I feel like they uh, their ownership group has shown a willingness to spend money on championship teams. Right now, they don't look like a championship team. However, neither you nor I will ever count them out because we know what they can be when they turn it on. They just have to string together a stretch here. At some point, we got to see an extended stretch of Warriors style dominance and play, and you just you haven't seen them. So I think. Um, I, I could see them do something, but I don't think I would I, I would I would be surprised if they did something that added a lot of money to next year. Like if you have a player who's on an expiring or maybe there was something that gave them some flexibility after that, okay. But I I every every time I've called about this, it feels like that's a concern right now. Is that a good way to put it? I don't sense a lot of urgency either. Yeah, I, I sense a lot of not just not just um, money realities, but also yeah. a lot of a lot of faith in what this core yeah. can yeah. do. The faith is I don't I wouldn't <laughs> say it's wavering, but it it is. They're they're just like us saying I, I thought fifty games in we'd be a, a little we hit have hit a run by now, and I've said before yeah. I I do think a run is coming. I think the data suggests a run is coming, but it, it hasn't come yet. And, yeah. you know, they've had some injuries. They still have some injuries. I do think the time has come where, for me, James Wiseman is going to be in his fourth year next year. His fourth year. Yep. I know the Warriors picked him number two overall. Over We all know who was also on the board, right? And how yep. those players would have fit. Yeah, yeah. That's all. And teams are always reluctant to punt on picks that high, that defining, that beloved by the ownership group, that that sexy when they're catching lob dunks and here's the vertical spacing we don't have. And I do think fans have been too hard on Wiseman considering how little he's yeah. played. Um, there's a there's an interesting player in there somewhere, but this is this is year three and he does not play ever, ever. Yeah, and he's yeah. not going to play. In meaningful games. There's no path. It's over for this season. Next season's his fourth year. I do think it's time for them to not be so precious anymore about, well, we couldn't trade James Wiseman for that sixth or seventh guy. We couldn't Mm -hmm. trade James Wiseman for Alex Caruso. Really? Alex Caruso? He takes two shots every 26 minutes. I get all that. It just, what they have now is really precious with Steph. And it just doesn't feel like this is happening for James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll happen somewhere someday. And if you want to wait on it happening in Golden State, that's fine. That's your prerogative. Yeah. I, if, if it's me and I get a good deal. Now, I have to get a good deal. 
I've already said to me, Jakob Pertl is like, well, I have Looney and I have Draymond playing center all these minutes. Like, why am I giving up a lot for Jakob Pertl? Yeah. Is he really going to play that much? I just went through all the guards they have. Like, to me, it would have to be a Kuzma type player, another big wing that can come in. Like, they're starting this pool party lineup now. That's too small. They all know that's yeah. too small. They don't want to start that lineup. They started Kaminga last game um, when I think Wiggins was out. Like, they want they want to, to be a little bigger. That's the kind of player I'm looking for. Obviously, Kuzma now, uh, the, the Wizards either are hell-bent on keeping him or are going to demand a King's ransom after the Hachimura deal yeah. makes puts out the appearance that they're hell-bent. On keeping him, I just I'm at the point with the Wiseman thing where I get I get I get the preciousness and the affection you feel for him. I just don't care anymore. I, I need to be yeah. a little more pragmatic than that. Yeah. So I, they're a team that I I think the next what what is it two weeks now until the deadline? I yes, think ma'am. that matters. It matters that like these next two weeks matter for them. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Quick hitters. Okay. You mentioned six, six, Sixers Nuggets this Saturday. Jokic Embiid. You know Embiid cares about this game a lot. A lot. A lot. I want you to just take <laughs> me inside the Sixers a little okay. bit because <clears throat> I, I don't feel like, and I've said this to our people on, on TV, I don't feel like we're talking about them enough. They yep. are one game in the loss column behind Boston. Now, they've got a lot of games in hand, so they're like four in the win column behind, but they're they're knocking on the door of first in the East. I am on... I, I can't believe this has now fallen to me, among others. I, I am on the James Harden is having a wildly underrated season and should he be is. an all-star lock parade float i don't know how i got there i just sort of woke up and like whoa i'm on the james harden team okay um (laughs) um, and not only that i keep saying this and i feel similarly about milwaukee with chris middleton how no one is talking about how chris middleton like is contract is up potentially after this year it's kind of a big deal it is a big deal i just think the stakes I, i maybe the clippers are the only team that has higher stakes to what happens the rest mm-hmm. of this season than Philadelphia. Because as I've said many times, we are eight months removed from Harden whimpering out of another elimination game, the Sixers whimpering out of another second-round playoff series that they arguably could have, should have won now and beat missed the first couple games. It's a whole different series if he plays. Yeah. And all the talk then was, what a disaster. Mm-hmm. What a disaster. 
this is they traded Simmons after a year off and they got Harden and this is all they got. And now Harden's entering free agency potentially or is eligible for a new deal, whatever it is. How are they going to upgrade this team? And then they quiet all that noise with a summer and offseason that we all agree is a home run. Tucker, House, Harden back on a... Melton. Melton. Great trade. Memphis could use Melton. Um, hashtag cap circumvention uh, on the on the Harden, yeah. uh, the Harden, Tucker, House stuff. Um, and that quiets it. But it, it it's still there. Harden can be a yeah. free agent after this season. Woj reported the Houston... Uh, his Harden's potential interest in a reunion yep. with Houston. Now, I think you and I have both heard the key figures on the Rockets may be there. There may not be total universal agreement about whether that's yep. a good idea. Uh, they do owe the Thunder their top four protected pick next season, which is one reason it would be nice for Houston to not be yep. crappy um, and why James Harden might be a fit there. But just like Embiid's seen a lot. He's seen yep. a lot. Simmons is gone. Yep. And Simmons... Harden has been up and down in Philly. Houston Harden is gone forever. That that kind of bruising, powerful, get to the rim at will finisher. That guy's not going to be there. But Simmons is a is a car crash right now in Brooklyn. You can't look away. I know. Um, And so it's hard to argue that like the Sixers shouldn't have made that trade. Now were there alternatives like whoever you can make it up? But that's done. What's done is done. Just take me inside a little bit the mindset there and the stakes and the pressure. Um, I think there is a sense that they have to, there cannot be a second round playoff exit again. If if they got to break through that second round of the playoffs, do they have to win the East? That will be an ownership question. Uh, Is it enough for them to get out of the second round? I, I kind of think they need to get out of the second round and and do something beyond that. And, and it also comes up because James Harden has a player option for next year. So it's, he could be a free agent as well. And that means that you can renegotiate with him as well. It's not just pick up the option. Like you can do another deal with him. And then we get back to right where we were last year, which is, are you doing the max for him? And last year there was a sense when he, when the trade was completed with Brooklyn, like it was almost seen as a fait accompli that he was going to get a max extension and he sort of played his way out of it. Sure did. Okay, so think about how much money James Harden has left on the table. There was that giant extension in Houston before he was traded the first time. I think it was like, what, two years, $100 million, or whatever that, that number was. Um, then there was, he was offered, I have confirmed this, he was offered a max extension in Brooklyn that summer. KD, Harden, and Kyrie, they were supposed to all sign together. That should have been the first tip-off that things were not going to go well when Harden wasn't ready to commit. KD did it, and he didn't wait for the other two guys. He just signed the extension. Harden was not ready to commit, and then Kyrie was not ready to commit. And then there was the whole thing with the vaccine. And so that is so much money that he has not that he's not accepted, that it was offered, which may never be there for him again. That's, that's, it's, you have to think about it in, that, in those terms. Um, I talked to him. For, it was the longest conversation James and I had ever had when he was out in LA a couple weeks ago, probably 10, 15 minutes in the hallway where we really talked. He looks great right now, Zach. This is, this is the one thing that I will say about him. He seems like he's in the best shape he's been in, in like two, three years where whatever soft tissue injuries he's had, all the, all the, um, 
I think the hamstrings and all the, the domino effect from that, he really seems better from all that. I, I agree with you. He's never going to be the same Houston Harden, but I would say about a month or two ago, this team very firmly decided that they are going to play through Joel Embiid and James Harden seems to have gotten on board with that. And, yeah. and in our, this, in our, co- for this team with yeah. this guy at center, the yep. current James Harden, 22 and 11 James Harden, yeah. shooting 39% from three. That's fine. That's yeah. that's all I need. All I need, and this I know this is going to sound yeah. big, Ramona. All I need is for that guy, 22 yep. and 11 guy, to show up in the biggest playoff games. That's all I yep. need. Like If I get that and yeah. I get a healthy Embiid without a Phantom of the Opera mask, yeah. that's all I can <laughs> ask for. But but think about like if they don't get out of the second round, I think everything's on the table there. I mean, I think you've well, had there's an only, ownership. There's only one thing I care about on the table. On that table, like really, there are big names all over the table. Doc yeah. Rivers is a big name. Daryl Morey, Hall of Jane Famer. Yeah. Daryl Morey is a big name, huge name, an icon yeah. among a certain level of dorks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Harden, Dork Elvis, is, as your friend Bill Simmons ha- likes to call. Harden is Harden, a hall, first ballot yeah. Hall of Famer, yeah. all-time great scorer. There's only one guy on the table, on that table, that I actually care about, really, for the next that's five Embiid. years of the NBA. Yeah, and it's Embiid, and that's what would make me nervous about another second-round whimpering. Is a year, eight months ago, Embiid looked just common sense, just common sense. In the search always for who's the next guy to yeah. shake loose. Embiid was a common sense answer. I'm not sure why common sense would tell you anything different if there's another whimpering flame out this time around, except that he's now got so many years left on his deal that Philly has leverage, but we've seen yeah. it doesn't really matter. Like that's the guy that matters. So here's what I will say about Joel. Um, he is smart and he knows how this he's already seen seven steps down the chessboard right so he knows all of what's at stake here and all the moves that are on the table and how this can play out he also is very very loyal to philadelphia in the sense that we've seen a few other players like this recently there's the dame lillard in portland bradley beal in washington dc i think Embiid has that same kind of affection for philly um he really does. He, he will not be the bad guy. Does that make sense? He will not. That will be to the Sixers advantage here if they need some time to try to figure it out and recalibrate. How patient will he be? He's 28. He's, he's approaching. He's firmly in the prime of his career at the peak of his abilities. I still think he's getting better. Um, He's, a, he's, you know, incredible. I, he's incredible. He keeps. I mean, he just gets better and better and better every year. I mean, I you know, people like who is the comp for him? Like, part of me says Shaq and Dirk. Like, you put Shaq and Dirk together, it's like a. I don't know what. How do, how do we even say his how good his game is? And that doesn't even account for how good he is defensively. Um, there's moves that I think they should have made that would position that would have positioned them better for the future than than where they are, where like, the sort like, of all in. Like um, what? Uh, when they were trading Simmons, I think it would have been they, there was a there was at one point some talk with San Antonio. There was a um, about Dejounte, about Dejounte and a Derek White thing. Like think about how that team would look. Ooh, okay, um, there was some talk with the Kings. 
back then about Halliburton. Oh, how good would that team be with a younger, with a Halliburton on the Sixers at some See, point? I think I, I there was I know Bradley that. Beal talk, right? There was, well, that's, there's been that's a lot the other of, one. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of other. So, so Embiid knows everything that could have happened that didn't. And I, I just think though, he, he will not be the bad guy in Philly. That's the best way I can phrase it. He, he really loves and has an affection for that city. So it doesn't mean they, that they're, he, he will stay there forever doesn't mean that that is a um, going to be a bad situation. I just don't think it would go bad the way that a Harden in Houston went bad or um, some of the other high profile guys that have asked out have gone bad, like where it, where it ends like that it, for, for a number of different reasons. It, it will not look like that if it ever comes to that point, but I don't, I think there'll be a patience level there for longer than maybe there should be. I don't know. We'll see how they do this year. But I, I, I actually kind of believe in that team. I, I think there's, they're not perfect. They don't all, they don't fit together exactly the way you want them to. It's still like, even though Harden and Embiid are great in the pick and roll together, it's not a natural thing. He's not Clint Capella. Like you keep seeing James try to pass the ball through his legs to get Joel to do a dunk. And Joel's like, I don't really want to dunk it here. Cause I might land on somebody's foot. I'd rather lay it in. It's not really my game. You know, he's much more of a pick and pop guy than a pick and roll to the basket guy. You know, James is still like you, there was a game in a play in LA that I thought if you go back and watch, cause I know you watch these, these plays individually, it's the end of a game. They're winning. Joel has a ball that he could go and try to, he, I think he was up around 40 points at that point. He could have scored some more. He kicks it out to James at three for three. James is wide open for a catch and shoot. And this is what they're trying to get James to do more of catch and shoot, catch and shoot. And Joel, it's almost like forcing the issue. Like James is trying to get Joel to do things he's uncomfortable with. And Joel's trying to get James to do things he's uncomfortable with. And James catches it and then like feeds it over to somebody else. Didn't take the do, didn't do the catch and shoot. You feel these things that they're both not quite comfortable with, but I, I feel them trying, which is important, right? Like they both seem like they're trying and, and, and the, the conversation I had with Harden, that was one of the better conversations I've ever had with him and where I felt like he was being real when he said, like, he recognizes how much money he's left on the table. He does. And he is, he really is sacrificing right now his game. Like he's, he could be doing the like dribble for 20 seconds and then do the James Harden thing. But about a couple months ago, they, they all decided we're not doing that anymore. And if you, you know, it's not what you say, it's what you do how many possessions you see James getting into the offense faster, pushing the pace, getting the ball down low to, to Joel early, putting him in better positions. He's even trying the catch and shoots. Um, he's right, doing okay. the things they're right. asking him to do. Okay. So first of all, there's actual sacrifice on the ba yeah. basketball sacrifice, right? Yeah. There's like actual basketball sacrifice. And then there's James Harden deciding at age 32 or 33, whatever he is. Yeah. Oh, that dude is better than me. And yeah. so oh, yeah. I'm not going to dribble for 18 seconds at the top of the arc. And I might, I, I know this sounds crazy. Yeah. I might have to take some catch and shoot threes. And when I wrote in 10 things two months yeah. ago or three months ago about Harden's aversion to taking catch and shoot threes, the amount of feedback I got from people who had been around James yeah. Harden for the last five years about, dude, it's been driving us crazy yeah. for five years. <laughs> what you just described is not sacrifice. What you just described is common freaking sense that if you want to win, 
you, James Harden, don't get to do Harden ball anymore because yeah. you force your way out of one place, force your way out of a second place to get to the third place that has yeah. Joel Embiid on it and is better than you. I will yeah. about to pick and roll. I com- first of all, I completely and, and agree. Last... I completely ahead. agree with you. This team yeah. has everything it needs to win the title. That's how good their upside is. Yeah. The Embiid Harden pick and roll is that good. I will say that game against Brooklyn the other night when Nick yeah. Claxton was the best player on the floor. Yeah. Reminded me that in the playoffs all of those little 13-foot pick-and-pop jumpers, pick-and-slip jumpers that Joel yep. gets, teams are going to sell out to take that shot away. Yeah. Against Brooklyn, that meant we're switching. We're switching Claxton yep. onto Harden, and we're going to try to finagle a way to not have Embiid mash our guards in the post by fronting, yep. by scram switching from behind. Uh-huh. Without Durant, they're not the best-equipped team to do that. But they actually slowed the Nets down, the Sixers down a little bit with that and yeah. his own defense. Um, other teams will be better equipped to switch that pick and roll yeah. and make the Sixers work around those switches. Other teams will just swarm Embiid early so that Harden can't even get that pass to him and say, PJ Tucker, you got to shoot threes. You got to shoot threes. Mel- Melton, Maxi. And I think they have enough shooting. To beat that strategy, but it is going to be interesting. Can we just do a couple? What else on yeah. the Sixers? Let me let, we... let me give you two two quick hitters. I am so excited for Saturday's game. So yeah. excited. Okay, and a couple of things that Joel um, has realized in the last couple of years. Like it sucks finishing second. Like he's like the Susan Lucci of the of the MVP rings, right? Like it, two years in a row to finish second to the same guy. Like that's 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 a rough one. But part of the reason I think he has finished second is not just because Jokic is really, really good and his stats look great. It's because in some head-to-head matchups late in the season, there have the signature moments have gone to the other guy. Okay. Do you remember last year when Joel actually outplayed Jokic during the game, but Jokic hit this weird fall away that yep. ended up being the winner? Like those kind of moments, it shouldn't matter as much as they do, but they kind of do. They're like these lasting impressions. The game against Giannis, remember Giannis has the block at the, in the last in the last uh, couple minutes of that game last year. And I think Joel has recognized those head-to-head matchups with the guys that he's competing against for MVPs. Those matter, especially now. Like it's like we're we're into the second half of the year when people are really watching. Um, I asked the other day, you know, about the matchup with Ben Simmons, and that was a fun game to watch, right? The, the the hatred was real on both sides. You could see it. I love how they don't call each other by their names. Like, Joel calls him the other guy. You know, <laughs> like, that's totally fun. But I think the bigger game is Saturday. I think he's more hyped for this Saturday game than the matchup with Ben. Ben feels like a matchup from the past that feels like history. Jokic feels like, I mean, this is like Magic and Larry watching each other in the box score every every game. I mean, this is th- that's the rivalry that's that's happened between these two now. Um, and then the other, the, my last note on the Sixers, which I don't think is getting nearly enough discussion, is that Tyrese Maxey, who is in a contract year himself, like can't is not going to leave, but is due for a really big payday, has has just very quietly said, "Okay, I'll come off the bench and be the six man," like. That's that's a really big thing to ask a young player to do. Um, and he's he's such a great kid that he's sort of done it willingly and he's gotten used to that. It's not that easy to do either. 
Um, but I, 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 he's done well in that. I think it's really unlocked their team for him to be willing to do that. I, I agree. Their current starting five is plus 12 per 100 possessions, plus 80 raw points in 278 minutes. Yep. I like the fact that attached to that, Doc is experimenting, not ex- is leaning into yeah. Maxi, Harden, Melton together yeah. with Embiid. Like now, those lineups are shaky so far, but I think that's worth investing in. Um, they, they, they've got everything they need. I, it's going to be hard for them to make an upgrade at the deadline because they just don't have much. Um, yeah. But uh, I agree with you on Maxi, and he's got his three-point stroke back lately. He's, he's looking a yeah. lot better. And this game this game Saturday is is must must see TV on. I mean, this is like this is like WWE what Royal Rumble maybe. It's not quite. It's not quite. Um, well, he's already doing the cro- he's already doing the crotch chop, and KD didn't <laughs> like the crotch top, right? What did KD? KD totally. was KD. I don't think I don't I don't ever know if KD on social media is serious calling that a trash celebration because I don't think he's yeah. like the morality police on no, the, the DX. Not. Crotch he job. just likes to he's like what Joel used to be like he used to just comment on everything and then Joel's taking a step back because he he realized it's a distraction but like Joel jumped back in there too didn't he answer Katie on Twitter afterwards too he, he did I will say by crotch <laughs> chop number five yeah I'm like I, okay, uh, I, okay like I've got I, I know, got enough. it like it's enough, enough of the enough of the chopping <laughs> of your crotch the last island I'm on and then we have to stop not okay. island but this is totally unrelated to anything we talk about. I just want to say it and get it on record. Every time I talk to a league executive about John Collins, I feel like an insane person because they're all like, well, John Collins is overpaid. His contract runs so long. Yeah. He's, I think whoever gets John Collins, I think whoever gets John Collins in a trade <laughs> is going to be very happy with the player that they get. And Utah has already been reported as involved. I think that is still alive. There are other teams that I'm I'm less of a feel for. Um, I, I would keep an eye on Phoenix, and I think a big story this week that Baxter yes. and Woj broke is that the new owner is going to have control of the team before the trade deadline. I yep. know Phoenix has kicked the tires on John Collins before. One of my favorite fake trades I ever made before this season yeah. was Crowder, salary filler, and two first-round picks to Atlanta for Collins coming back to Phoenix. I don't know if Atlanta gets two first-round picks for John Collins anymore unless they're bogus, you know, highly protected first-round picks. I'm just saying the Suns now, they lost to the Mavs last night, and we should probably mention that Luka turned his ankle. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully nothing. Suns are Woj, 25. Woj literally and- just tweeted for you. What do you say? Uh, he's, he says, after hurting his ankle in the victory of the Suns on Thursday, Dante is expected to be day-to-day with what's oh. described as a mild sprain. Look at that. Rejoice. Rejoice. (laughs) Uh, The Suns are 25 and 25. I'm just saying this. Booker will be back soon. Paul's back already. Cam Johnson is back now. Campaign will be back at some point. DeAndre Ayton's back. A lot of guys coming back. If you got me a top six of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, and John Collins, I don't care where John Collins fits in. If he's starting, if he's coming off the bench, if he's some four next to Ayton and he's the backup five after Ayton, that's an exciting team. That's all I'm saying. Keep an eye on John Collins. People need to go back and watch the playoff yep. run that the Hawks made that has been now dismissed and laughed at as the yeah. quote, worst thing that's ever happened to their team, a fluke. Whatever you want yeah. to think of it, that's fine. John Collins in that playoff run decided, hey, 
I don't get to do the stuff that I really want to do on this team. Yeah. They got Trey has ball all the time. Clint gets to be the rim runner guy. I got to fit in. I'm not going to score 25. I'm not going to be able to face up and drive. I'm not going to get to be John Collins. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do, though? These games really matter. I'm going to play the best defense of my career. I'm going to be the best rebounder I've ever been. And I'm going to scrounge my way into 16, 17, 18 points because I'm that good in a limited role. And he really impressed me in those playoffs. And since then, it's just kind of been – you just get the feeling that the situation is now played out. Yeah. I think whoever gets him is going to be is going to be happy. That's the end of my John Collins take. Ramona Shelburne, insider extraordinaire. We didn't even talk about the Clippers or or the Raptors. I we'll gave myself there. I gave myself a one episode Raptors prohibition okay. uh, rule. Um, <laughs> I, no, I but, thought you were going to ask me about Fred Van Vliet going to the Lakers. I mean, I thought that was Lakers go. or Clippers. <laughs> Either. Right, but but really, the Lakers have the cap space. So, well, a, a front office person. I told thought me for I, sure you were saying that. Uh, oh, you meant in free agency. Um, yeah, a front office person told me yesterday. If the Clippers need to trade Terrence Mann to get Fred VanVleet, they should do it. And Oof. I thought, whoa, that's interesting because they don't want to trade Terrence Mann. They, they love, love Terrence Mann. Mann. He's yeah. young. They need him. He brings them some juice. He's their starting point guard. Yeah, now. they certainly are going to be hesitant to trade him and a pick. Um. But it was, I don't know that I'd do that if I'm the Clippers, but his point was this thing is like, is how long it, do you have with this group? This thing is not, it's not teetering now because they're now winning, yeah. but they're three games over 500. Like, you're, you got to win now. Yeah. And if you got to win now, you can't be too uh, precious about Terrence Mann. I thought that was interesting, but we'll talk. We got, we got way more time to talk about this. Yeah. Ramona Shelburne, read her Pat Riley piece now on ESPN. You know everything about all these teams and everyone. Ramona, thank you. Thanks, Zach. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.